Hey mama, do you find yourself wishing you knew you were on the right path with your business or wanting to know how to do it all as a work at home mom and entrepreneur? If you struggle with imposter syndrome, mom guilt, or fear of failure, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Alexia, a Christian mindset coach, passionate about teaching moms how to renew their minds to find success both in business and motherhood. You can overcome the negative thoughts holding you back from fully stepping into your calling. I know what it's like to worry your business will never work, to feel mom guilt every time you work on your business, to realize your mindset is hindering you, but not knowing how to change it in a Christ-centered way. I created the Mom with a Calling podcast to teach you how to use the powerful combination of God's Word and proven mindset strategies to help you break free from negative, paralyzing thoughts and gain clarity and confidence to go where God is leading you. As you step out of the old way of thinking and into God's way, you'll find more peace, joy, and purpose. Pop in those earbuds and get ready to let God work in you so he can work through you. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Mama with the Calling podcast. This is Alexia. I'm so excited that you're joining me today. Today, I have a special guest interview to bring to you that is so good. It's really needed, a really important topic. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that if you are interested at all in being a part of the Called and Confident Entrepreneur Program, then I would love to get on a call with you and just talk to you about your goals and things and see if you'd be a good fit for the program. So this program is for you if you're ready to tackle the mindset blocks that are keeping you from boldly stepping in and doing what God's calling you to do. Um, This is a high touch one-on-one program that will walk you through the five big mindset areas that keep entrepreneurs stuck so that when you have breakthroughs in this area, you actually have a biblical mindset and then you'll be able to take spirit led action in your business and stop getting stuck in that analysis paralysis or that fear of constantly messing up God's plan. Hint, you can't mess up God's plan. So if this is you, if you're interested even a little bit, I'd love to hop on a no pressure call with you just to talk more about your goals, to hear what God's doing, um, how I can help you reach your goals. And then, you know, you can ask any questions about the program. Um, This limited time price, this beta price will only last for one more spot. So I'm going to leave it open for a little bit longer just to see if there's anybody else that would be interested. The clients that I have gone through right now, it's already so good. So again, this is one-on-one. So you would just start at the beginning, but I would love to have another one, maybe two, but I'm going to say one person to go through the Called and Confident Entrepreneur Program. So if that's you, go to momwithacalling.com slash discovery call to be able to get that call booked and we'll see if you're a good fit and see how the Called and Confident Entrepreneur Program can help you overcome mindset blocks. It's so good. Okay. So the interview today is with Katie McCown. She is a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries. She has a podcast called the best day ever podcast, which is the best name ever. Um, And she has a new book out called She Belongs. And it is a Bible study. And she has been so gracious to give away a copy of this book. So to enter the giveaway for one of Katie's books, simply click the link below in the description where you can enter via email. 
and then get a you can get a bonus entry if you create a post either on Facebook or Instagram and then tag about your big about your big takeaways from this episode and then tag me so at mama with the calling and Katie which is at Katie McCown 7 on Facebook or Instagram. I will put those below in the description so you don't try to remember that. But um, so once you do that, you can just click the link below to register. And then I will be giving away one copy of her amazing book. And it's so good. So the entries for that will end November 3rd. And without further ado, let's hear what Katie has to say about finding and building community as a Christian mom. Welcome back to another episode of the Mama with a Calling podcast. Today, I have Katie McCowan on the podcast. She is a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries. She is host of the Best Day Ever podcast and author of She Smiles Without Fear. Katie left her job as a television news reporter to join her husband, Luke, on their adventure in the NFL. Luke and Katie have six children. Thank you for being here today, Katie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so... Today, we're going to be talking about like fitting in and finding our place in community because you have this new Bible study out called She Belongs, Finding Your Place in the Body of Christ, which I love this topic because I think that it's important for all of us, of course, but in particular, moms and then work at home moms, um, we can feel isolated and it's hard to find our place. And I also think, and we can talk about this in a little bit, but I just think that we don't see community the way the early church did and the way the Bible talks about it. So can you tell us about like your experience? Why did you write this study? What led you to do that? Well, you touched on a little bit of my experience. So when I uh, graduated college, I worked for a couple of years and then I married my husband and we started this adventure in the National Football League. And uh, just to summarize that, he played for 13 years. And in those 13 years, we moved a dozen times. And we didn't always move to a new state or city. Sometimes we did, but we were certainly at least moving to new neighborhoods. And and then along the way, we were having six children. <laughs> so talk about feeling isolated. My goodness. And I I stayed home with them. We homeschooled for several years. And there were definitely times I can look back on and you just kind of felt like, It was me and these kids and these four walls that we lived in because I wasn't in a spot where I felt planted, where, you know, as our family grew, I grew to know our neighbors. And sometimes we would move some places with really sweet neighbors. And other times I felt like the neighbors wished that we would move out, you know, (laughs) it just, and it did feel like we were constantly starting over. And along the way, I, I think that it, for me, and it may not be this way for everyone, but maybe some, some of the listeners relate. Sometimes it can just feel simpler, not, not to deal with trying to find community at at some point. It can just feel like there's so much going on that I need to handle that I need to deal with that. I really don't have time for additional people or capacity emotionally or mentally to look for it, find it, invite it into my life. And so I think what I 
maybe a rhythm that I kind of fell into was just working towards a life that was handled, you know, just trying to handle whatever came my way on that day, whatever situation was in front of us. And as I grew into maybe even settling into living a life that is handled, I felt God calling me to something more. And over time in spending time in God's word with this subject and studying it and trusting him, what I realized is that there's a difference between a life that's handled and a life that is whole. And the life that is whole that God created for us does include community. And I learned a lot about it. Maybe things that I thought it meant versus what God created us for. And and I'm sure we'll get to that. But that's really, as I began to recognize that and receive that from the Lord, I thought, I wonder if there aren't other women who may also benefit from understanding this the way God has taught it to me. Yeah. And, and I love that progression and how God just does things in our lives and just pulls us to do that. And you dove, you dove in, right? Like you're asking those questions um, and looking at scripture. And I think as you were talking, I was also thinking how a lot of times we don't want to deal with the potential for rejection, right? Like we don't want to even try. Um, I have a son with some special needs and it's hard to find community. Like we're in that season right now. And um, it is hard and it's so easy to just in our world today, you can even connect sort of, or feel like you're connecting through the internet and things And that. And that is, it can be good. Like we can have zoom calls and stuff, but there is something special about meeting in person, about actually showing up at the church and kind of plugging yourself in. I go to a really big church and that was an issue is like finding your place. And I just, I felt the same thing. And I was like, I just have to start going and like, just, Sometimes I go to classes that I don't need to be in just like, I don't need what they're teaching, but I go just to meet people and just to like start building community. Um, So can you explain why does community matter? Like, why Mm -hmm. is that important? I love what you, you just said so many great things, Alexia. (laughs) I love your approach. Um, And I think you're right on when you say, sometimes I think we approach the subject of community and belonging from a point of what I stand to lose. We're just kind of all always aware of what it what might happen that's negative. And so maybe I'll lose time and because I'll go and I won't get anything out of it and I could have been home taking care of a whole bunch of things or maybe maybe I will get hurt. Like maybe somebody'll say something that was super insensitive and we just kind of come with that even if we take the step, we're, we have this guard up, like who's going to do something or what do I stand to lose here? And I love how you described your approach because it's one of, it's, it, you, you come from a place of knowing it's a good thing. And so I think that's a, a really great place to start our conversation that it is something God created us for. Um, sometimes I think when we feel lonely, There can be shame associated with that. Like even the whispers of our enemy, the devil who wants to tell us why we're alone, you know, and like you mentioned, you have a special needs son and there's difficulty in community. And sometimes he'll use those things against us to make us go. Nobody wants to be in community with you. That's why you feel all alone or he'll just layer 
that feeling of loneliness with shame. And that is actually, I, I want us to flip that because the reality is that when we feel lonely, it's just a reminder that we have been created in the image of God. And so the really the, the starting point of why we need community, like why move towards it, it's because it's how we're created. God exists in community, God in three persons, and he created us in his image. And so it's a little bit saying like, well, why do we need, you know, a, a right hand? Well, because God created our body to function with a right and a left hand. And, and so God created us for community. And when we exist outside of it, in the way that he wired us to live. So that's one. And then I'll say this too, through my study. Um, one of the things that I talk about in week two of She Belongs is um, la the idea of last words. And so um, about three years ago, my earthly father passed from this life to heaven. And, and I sat with him as he spoke some of his last words. And that was really my first experience with last words of a loved one. And so I, I understood a little more about what was happening in that moment after going through that with my earthly father and began to understand that, you know, when someone knows that they're speaking their last words, they talk about what's most important to them and they talk about what they want to continue when they don't have words left to say. And, and I understood that as I listened to my dad speak to me and my sister. And so then my dad passed. And what I've seen in the years that have followed those last words is this thing that has happened in my heart where I certainly remember what he said to me. <clears throat> I remember, I mean, I remember the scene. I remember what I was wearing and you know, I remember everything about it, but it's not just this nice memory. It has truly become uh, a bit of a filter for my life. So when I remember what he said, I then think in my own heart, am I doing, how am I doing? Uh, am I doing good? Am, am I, am I doing what he asked me to do? Do I need to do more of it? Have I, have I stopped doing it altogether? And so I evaluate when I remember often what he said to me, then I evaluate, am I doing it well or what needs to change so that I do it better? And that in connection then, as I was studying writing, she belongs, it led me to John chapter 17, which is where we really have some of Jesus's last words before he went to the cross. And so John chapter 18 begins like Jesus's betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. So John chapter 17, truly those record some of Jesus's last words. And he is praying in John 17, he's praying to his father. And three times in that prayer, he asks his, that his father would allow his disciples to be one. He prays for his disciples to be one. Uh, some translations will just to be unified. It's just the picture of being united. And that's what he prays for. So that's what was on Jesus's heart. And so you, I spoke a little bit about our football background. So in, in our world, we call that a game changer. Like for me, that was one of those things where it was like, I mean, yeah, like I can come to community with all of these reservations and all of these reasons why not. But at the end of the day, I love Jesus. He is my savior. And I want 
what is important to him. And so when I read those words in John 17, a lot of what I would come to community thinking about, I could set aside pretty easily because it it was no longer about how I felt. It was about the heart of my savior who I love. And that shifted how I approach community and why I approach community because I love him and I trust him and I want to do what is important to him. And me being one with my brothers and sisters in Christ is important to Jesus. So that's two ways. There's a third, but I feel like I've been talking a lot. So I might want to pause and let you. <laughs> no, you're fine. I think that's, I think that's really good. And, and um, I love that the last words and, and sort of looking at what was, you know, this really important thing. And even one of the things I've noticed, and you might talk about this in your study, but I've noticed that in the old Testament, when God's talking about the children of Israel, it's like they're one. Like they, like when they're crossing the the Jordan, it's like the, there's two, I don't remember who, but the two of the tribes want to stay back and like have land over there. And he'll actually say like, you have to go forward and they all have to fight together. And then you can go back. Or like if one person does something like sins, I can't remember that guy's name, the guy who took stuff after um, Jericho, um, like the whole, the everybody's affected. And I'm just like, we, it, you know, God seems to want us. He sees us as being this one. Even when Jesus is doing the prayer, it's like, give us our daily bread, give us, 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 like it's all us. And, um, and I've noticed that because I think in our, and I've heard people talk about this, but in our Western world, it's like our faith and our religion even is almost like mine, me and mine. And we're very isolated and think about our own experiences and, you know, I'm just struck also by like, Paul talks about a lot about the whole one, you know, being of one spirit and one mind. And then of course, being the body of Christ. And so um, I just think it is really important for us to think about, because yeah, it's so easy to just be in our own world, do our own things. And we're so busy that we think that like, that's being social or something. And it's somehow bad or selfish. I don't even know, like sometimes as moms are like, we're being selfish, going to a women's Bible study or something. But all of those things are not just good ideas. Like you're saying they're from like, God literally is like telling us to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially after COVID, I'm sure it got really easy for, especially if you're introverted, (laughs) it was really easy to be like, oh no, I guess I have to stay at home and do nothing. Um, Not do nothing, but you know, not socialize if socialization is hard for some people. But that actually brings me to the next point. And you touched on this a little bit at the beginning. And I I wrote down, like, this is like a spiritual attack kind of a thing, like spiritual warfare, where the enemy just wants us to not not see community as important and to separate us, to isolate us. Um, I mean, thinking about God in the in the Old Testament, like their consequences were to be cast out. Like if you were cast out, that was terrible to have to be out of your community. And so, um, so yeah, I just think that's just an interesting aspect to think about too. It's like when we see it as spiritual, or at least when I see something as spiritual warfare, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, not today, <laughs> not today, Satan. I'm not going to like fall into that. And there's something there that God has for us that the enemy doesn't want us to have. And that was actually, when I said there's a third thing, that's what I was oh, going to okay. say, because it, I, I think if we, when we think like that, like if, if we approached this, like it's something God wants and we have an enemy that wants to separate us, it would be, we would be more inclined to move towards it. But the reality is this, 
um, our enemy, Satan, actually wants us to believe that the safest place for us, which is belonging in the body of Christ, he wants us to believe that's dangerous. Because if he gets us to believe that's dangerous, then we separate. And when we separate, and you use the word isolation, that is actually where we are the most vulnerable to his attacks to steal, kill, and destroy. And none of us want that. Like if we asked the question, do you want to be in a place where you are vulnerable to attack so that your enemy can steal, kill, and destroy your life, we would all say collectively, no, of course not. But he's cunning. You know, he's not, he doesn't come out and say that. Instead, he makes us feel unsafe when we're together. Or he makes us feel like we don't need each other. That it's optional. It's not important. It's not necessary. And then he separates us. And I mean, you think about, you just don't have to watch the Discovery Channel for very long. And it's pretty common sense. Like there's a herd and the one that wanders off, that's the one the lion gets. You know, everybody knows that. Like you're yelling, don't do it. Stay with the herd. And yet that's what we do. We separate for one reason or another, whether it's because we're afraid, whether it's because of an experience that we've had, whether it's because we're just busy and then we operate in isolation and and consequently make ourselves vulnerable for attack from Satan. And the other thing that I found is this, we actually, my family and I went on a hike in the mountains in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't my idea. I It was a sunrise hike and I would have much rather have stayed in bed. I was the only one though that was voting that we don't do it. And so I didn't want to be like the one person in the family that slept in while everybody else did the sunrise hike. So we all did it together. And and we woke up at like 2.30 in the morning so that we could hike to see the sunrise at the peak of the mountain. And we have headlamps, you know, and we're climbing up a mountain we've never climbed up before in the dark. Oh, it's so much fun. But, it, you know, everybody was kind of excited because it was just this new adventure. And so we're on our way up and we hiked. It took us about two and a half hours to hike up to the peak for sunrise. And on the way up, everyone was excited. Everyone was kind of spread out on the trail. You know, the boys that were, the teenage boys were up at the front. And then my husband and I were kind of hanging back with our 10-year-old daughter, you know, because we were just going at different paces, but everyone was excited and having a good time. So we get to the top of the mountain, kind of at our own pace. Everybody gets there at a different time. We get up there and we're waiting on the sunrise. And it was like all at the same time, everybody realized we were cold, we were tired, we were hungry, and we still had to hike down. (laughs) And so it was like this high of getting up on the mountain. Everybody's having a good time, kind of doing their own thing. And then all at once we realized this is hard right now. You know, we're fatigued. And we're very uncomfortably cold and we still have this hike ahead of us. And it was really sweet to watch what happened in that moment because instead of going down the mountain all, you know, at their own pace, you know, kind of spread out on the trail, I watched my kids group up and go down together. And as a parent, I sat there, I mean, this was you know, about an hour after I had made it down the mountain, had two cups of coffee and a hot breakfast, I started to reflect. My brain was working, but I just realized they did not know it. But what they did is they understood 
the the weight of their circumstances and their need for each other. And while none of them probably knew exactly why they were doing what they were doing, they found each other and they knew they needed each other and they went together, supporting each other and encouraging each other, even just with their the presence of one another. And they did it together. And so it just makes me think about, you know, for those of us who feel too busy for community, for, for the pursuit of belonging in the body of Christ, it just made me think that, you know, there are some legs of our race that maybe we feel like I've got this. And so maybe we don't really feel like we need belonging in the body very much, but we never know when our when we're going to hit those kind of treacherous parts of the trail. We we just don't know. And when we get there, it will be very important who is on the trail with us or if there's anyone at all. So even for us in the seasons that don't feel like it's a huge need, it is valuable to invest in community. And the other thing that's interesting is that maybe our investing in that moment isn't for us. Maybe it's for someone else who needs us to walk that trail with them. So, um, and to go back to where we started, our enemy knows that. He knows we're stronger together. He knows where iron sharpens iron. He knows that we grow best together. There are things that the Bible instruct us, instructs us to do that requires us to do it in community. Confess your sins to one another. We grow spiritually better together. And, and the Bible tells us to grow up in our faith. We build one another up in love that happens together. And our enemy knows that. So it is in his best interest to separate us, to spread us out so that we don't build each other up so that we don't grow up in the into our head who is Christ and if we can instead of you know Alexia you kind of painted this picture you know instead of thinking it's us against us me against you if we can start to think about turning out and 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 living in community back to back where we're fighting the same enemy but we're fighting together we've got each other's back if you will mm-hmm. then i think it can change our approach and and our desire and to be a part of it because we know how important it is. Yeah, and I think that I love the the trail that you know God kind of showed you that. And I think that a lot of times, you know, we we don't even think of our own church like originally back, you know, in the early church, it's like if they were Christian, they were like immediately family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, they're part of this one. And today, I mean, I've been guilty. I know this is about myself we can go to church um, and think like, what am I going to get out of this? Or maybe we're going there as like a checkbox. Like I'm here. We think we're only there for learning. But one day I just kind of looked around and I was just like, how different is it if we look around at the people here and just assume and already um, have this like perception of them as we are one, we're one, we are one body here. And we just don't think that way. And we should. Right. And like, you're talking about having like the flock, I wrote down the thing about the sheep, because I think that we, you know, like as a little herd um, or a flock of sheep that together, not only are we protected, but something that I felt like God showed me at some point along the way is like that you learn from each other, like the little lambs are like watching the older, like who they don't know who the shepherd is until they're kind of like, Oh, mom, follow that guy, you know? And then they're learning from their own experience. But 
Um, so it's really important, like you said, that we grow spiritually just by being together. And I think this is a good kind of segue into, you know, we have, we each have our role, but I think that sometimes, you know, I know people think this, that like, as some Christians think there's maybe people who aren't believers even think this, that we all need to be just like, just like Jesus, right? Like we only look the same. So, um, you say that it's important for us to understand exactly what oneness is and what it's not. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. And so that, you know, in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples to be one. And Alexia, you mentioned Paul and specifically in Ephesians four, he has three verses where it's one. He he uses the word one, I think seven times. It's like one spirit, one Lord, one God and father, one calling. And so we have that idea of oneness, of being one with each other. But I think what we confuse that with is we hear oneness and we think sameness. So we think we're supposed to look alike. We're supposed to all have the same color hair, drive the same car, have the same number of kids, participate in the same activities, dress the same way. And none of us, I think, get excited about that image because we know that there are things about us that are different from maybe other people that we know. And so then we kind of question, well, what exactly am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to not be myself in order to be one in the body of Christ? And that is not what oneness is. Uh, So another story, as we consider oneness, uh, I had an elementary school daughter And they had a, you know, school field day and there was a tug of war championship between all of the classes. And my daughter's class ended up in the championship round of the tug of war championship in, um, in their elementary school field day, which obviously was a huge deal. And so I, I got the teacher actually, or someone videoed and sent it to me when they were there in that tug of war championship moment. And it was so much fun to watch this video because what you had, you know, is 20 something fourth graders. And I mean, the video got, got from the very beginning when it was time to go grab your side of the rope. And so here they all go as one to grab the rope and the PE teacher is holding the rope in the middle. You know, the other team is on the other side and then he lets go. And when I say as one, that 20 something group of fourth graders, just like, you know, like they're, they leaned back at this angle you know, with their heels in the ground and their bodies pulled back and their arms are just locked out and they are pulling all together as one force on this rope and their little faces are all clenched jump and their teeth are, you know, and I mean, in seconds they won and it was so much fun to not only watch them tug as one, but when they won the tug of war championship to watch them drop the rope and everybody, you know, there wasn't one kid that was indifferent that was just standing around like, okay. And the other thing that was interesting is that there wasn't one kid that opted out that didn't, that stood over on the side and didn't participate. And what I know about this group of 20 something fourth graders is that they were not all best friends. You know, I've heard the stories of the lunchroom and the playground, you know, and she did this and he did that and he didn't want to play with on her team. I heard it all, all year long, but you would have never known it if you watched this video. 
because there was a common goal and there was a common identity. See, they all knew whose class they belonged to. So nobody was, nobody wondered whether they were supposed to be on the rope or not. There was a common identity and then clearly the common goal to win the tug of war championship. And that's all they needed. They needed, they had their common identity. They had their common goal. And so they all worked together as one. They were dressed differently. They looked differently. They had different, uh, they had different interests. They had different groups. But in that moment, because there was a common identity and a common goal, they worked as one to accomplish it. And then they celebrated as one. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about oneness. And I actually think oneness is best expressed in our uniqueness. You know, our church does this thing. It's kind of like a vacation Bible school. We call it Rock the Block. And we go out into the community and we work as one to put on Rock the Block. But inside of Rock the Block, we have welcome ladies who sit at a table and welcome and register people. We have Bible teachers. We have people who lead a craft. And listen, I would rather clean a bathroom than lead a craft. I don't like to do that. I, I can't do it. it. It stresses me out. Anyway, that we have people who lead craft. We have people who make dinner. We have people who lead recreation. We have security. We have people who help with parking. There are unique spaces that everyone steps into with their own special gifts and talents, with their own unique wiring. But we work together as one in the midst of that uniqueness. And I think that's when oneness is most realized, when each one of us in the uniqueness of how God has created us come offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. And then as one, because we have a common identity in Jesus, because we have a common goal, which is the goal of Christ to accomplish his purposes, we work together as one. And you can even go look up, you know, the disciples that Jesus called and the differences between them. And, and that alone is an, a wonderful example of oneness in uniqueness, not sameness. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I, I try to teach all through the podcast and with my coaching clients, because it's something that I struggled with so much. And I don't know if it's just something in our society today or what, but it's being like having the courage to be who God made you to be, who, who you are, just, you know, whatever you're interested in, whatever your personality is like, whatever thing, like not looking around and trying to be like everybody else. And I think some of it comes from our Western um, ways of wanting like a checklist and rules and figuring out what we're supposed to do. And so we, we want to say, well, what are Christians supposed to be like? Like, I'm not supposed to do that or supposed to do this. And that gets us like in that place where, and I think a lot of women get this way, especially like they go through their career doing what they're supposed to do. And then they turn around one day and they're going, I don't even like this. I don't even like this career. I don't even want to be, I want to be with my kids or whatever that is. And I think that it's so important to, like you're saying, to, to recognize that we all have gifts, that God designed us that way. Because if we're all like, you know, Paul talks like we're all like one body part, like something else is missing. And then you have too much of something like, it's not, you, you don't like, it doesn't work well that way, but also not sort of um, like, having like a, a pride in a good way about your calling. Meaning if you're the person that is 
doing the parking, you are so happy to be there versus the person who's teaching the lesson. Like they're not better than you or like, you know, all of these things have a role. And it's so, that's why, that's why I have my podcast. That's why it's called Mom with a Calling because it's figuring out what you're supposed to be doing and, and leaning into that. And I just, I talk about that so much because God designed, I, I believe God designed each of us, like our own experiences in our own lives, but also like our personalities. Like I am a questioner. I study, I, I teach and I read and all of that. And I could look at that and say, I don't know that I'm not supposed to do that, that I'm supposed to be over on social media being an influencer or something, but I don't want to do that. And so somebody else might be great at that. And, you know, for the, to the glory of God, if they do that, but it's like looking, leaning in because he gave you that for a reason. It's almost like scoffing at or like ignoring what God designed you to do. Like there's something about each of us that has a role if we would be open to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think like you talk about finding your, you know, part of finding our places, like our calling and each of us have gifts and things like that. So can we kind of like talk about that of like, how do, how do people go about doing that? And having that that mindset. Mm-hmm. And it is, I just think that is, it is a really big deal because when we know what God has put in us, then we have the freedom to use it. And otherwise we're, maybe we're trying to do things that, that are outside of our wheelhouse, you know, which are, which is ultimately going to make us more exhausted. Um, but I keep bumping my mic. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. Um, I have a sweet friend who came to belonging in the body of Christ as an adult, and she knew she was where she belonged and didn't have a clue what her spiritual giftings were or what to do next. And I loved her approach because she just started doing things. So she would try something and I, I watched her try something and then look at me and go, nope, (laughs) that's not it. And I think sometimes we feel like we need to get it all figured out and then go. But what she did is she just stepped in, in different places and she tried this. And then it was like, nope, that's a no. I know for sure that's a no, cross it off the list. And then she tried something else. And I just, there's nothing wrong with that. Because if you're trying it for a time, you know, so maybe you don't know if you've been called to teach. And so you volunteer for a month to teach in a connection group, or maybe not even a month, maybe twice. And so you don't, you know, make a one year commitment where you get stuck in something that might not be right. But if you're open to try and you can find opportunities to just take a step that wouldn't require a long-term commitment go for it, you know, see, see where you fit by trying. I mean, when we go to find the right pair of shoes, we try them on. We, we have to find out and, you know, well, this shoe is created a little differently than this one. So that one might fit in one side. We have to try it on sometimes. So I would just encourage you, maybe that's what you need to do. You just need to start trying some things on and find out where you light up from the inside out. The other part of that is listening to what other people are saying to you. So I can remember maybe 15 years ago, sitting on a couch in a different state with, I think, two kids at the time. And a friend of mine just said, you are such an encourager. 
And that was her speaking into me what God had put into me. She saw that and she, she acknowledged that and helped me understand more about how God had created me. So there's two parts to that. One, you may be in the role to listen, to, to hear from other people when they tell you how you have ministered to them. And they may not even know that they're saying that to you, but just listen for it. Or you may be someone who can speak that into someone else. That's something we can do for each other in the body of Christ is don't assume that the other person knows because a lot of times the way that God has created us is so natural to us that it's not, it doesn't even feel distinct or special or like something we're strong in because we've never known life any different. It's the way we've always been. So we need to, we need not to assume that someone else sees that in themselves, but be a put words to it for them and then be listeners. So that, uh, and certainly, you know, try it out. And then the other thing is to pray. And, and I know that sometimes it's like, well, sure, but ask specifically for God to show you what, because he has gifted you. He has. It's not, it's not that he gifts some and not others. Those who are in Christ have the spirit of Christ living in them and working through them. So you have spiritual giftings and maybe you have abilities that you've always thought of as a talent that you've just had forever, but maybe with the power of the Holy Spirit behind it, there's a unique place for it to be used. So those are the things, you know, I write and she belongs. There were two questions that my pastor kind of posed to us years ago that have done, that God has used to do a lot in my life. And those two questions are, what do I have and what will I do with it? But we're not asking ourselves. We're not saying, okay, what do I have and what we're com- we're bringing that to God. And it's more like, God, what have you given me and what do you want me to do with it? And he will answer. And again, sometimes it'll surprise us. Some, you know, sometimes we kind of think we already know a little bit. So we're kind of looking for that lane to fall where we're expecting it. And a lot of times God will completely surprise us and we'll get, and we didn't have any idea. And then as we faithfully walk in it, we start to see how he had this planned all along, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that. And yeah, it's like, what's in your hand, basically? Like, what do I already have in front of me? What is What am I able to do? Um, we had a, like a thing at my church called serve link and it's where you're, you go and you kind of see the opportunities to serve. And it was just a funny example of that because I, they had all these different areas. Like there was a music and art and missions and guest services and whatever. And I was thinking, why would anybody want to do those things? Like the people that are going to go to the, to the group leader, the teacher side, that's going to be so many people. And like everybody stood up and like no one went to the teaching. Like it was like me and one other person. And it just showed me that people have like a natural affinity, right? And like lean into where you are. But we can also kind of look, we we don't even realize that other how how unique it is to us when, until we see something like that, where people kind of get up and <laughs> move about. But um I think that uh a lot of times too, we if we grew up in church or like, I feel like here in the South, it's almost like church culture in a lot of ways where, where we maybe feel kind of a little bit 
awkward about serving or, you know, just coming together in community and doing something like that. So I love the example of your friend that's an adult that just kind of comes in and they're like, I want to go, I want to go try. But I also think like you, you touched on this about like us doing it all. And that is something, especially for this audience about, you know, women doing business and just kind of like a tangent there a little bit, but thinking that we need to do it all. And almost like, it's like a pride thing, feeling like we are somehow less than if we can't do it all and not recognizing that other people need to come alongside us and fill those roles that that's the way God intended it, that we're not supposed to do everything on our own. And there's freedom there. Because when we begin to recognize what God created us for, what he has given us that we can then use for him, we are also very aware of what he has not put in us. I have a friend who talks about that when we know what has been put in us, it gives us the freedom to say, oh no, see, that's not. And 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 then she even talks about when we try to operate, like you said, do it all. And we try to operate outside of the way that God has wired us uniquely. It takes us longer and it's still not as good as if someone who he had created to do that did it. So why would we want to do that? You know, when we all work together in our own special way, and it talks about that in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about how the body builds itself up in love when each special part does its work. So that's not when one person does all the work Mm -hmm. (laughs) or when this many people do it all. That's not it. It's when each special part does its work. So what that does for us is it goes, okay, so this is how God created me. And then there's a need over there. Well, it, it actually benefits us to build our brothers and sisters up and help them see how God created them so that each one of us is doing our own special work in the way that God gave us to do it. And and we're flourishing in it. We're not, we're not like, oh, I'm just trying to get through it. We're not surviving it. We're not like, well, I'm fine. We're flourishing. And what a beautiful way to live. And so much better than just handling things and doing things and getting it done and then moving on to the next thing. And it is a blessing for all of us when each special part does its work. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing from that, or what I was kind of thinking, I guess, is that it matters, like the kind of the, the answer to this is that we have to change the way we think about what this, what it means, what our role means, what community means, how God designed it, all of that, which is a reason to like your Bible study is going to walk people through those pieces to help to shift that. Because on, on the show, we talk a lot about our thoughts and how they impact our lives. So As we're wrapping up here, what is um, some advice that you would give on how to change our thinking about this and what the body of Christ means in our role, um, role there in community? Well, I think you touched on it a little bit already, Alexia, but I think it's the shift from me to we, because even when we think about our calling and I I'm speaking for myself, so I don't want to put this on any listeners, but I know personally, even when I. I think about what God has called me to do for his kingdom, it can be about me and it can be about how well I do it or how I do it or the doors he opens for me and how I feel about it. And the shift becomes, you know, we've talked about 
fighting together against a common enemy, the shift becomes, you haven't called me Lord for me. You've called me into commission for your kingdom and your purposes for the sake of others who may not know you yet and need to know you. And I want them to know about your love. And for the sake of my brothers and sisters who are laboring for the Lord together with me, who are striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. So then one morning when I wake up and I'm just tired and I'm not really in a great mood and I don't really feel like it today and I feel confused and I might feel frustrated. I might feel let down. I still, and I use that image of the tug of, of the tug of war. I still get up and I take my place on the rope because I know that my sisters in Christ are there and I know that they are going to tug today and they are going to pull in the direction of Jesus's purposes and plans. And I don't want to stand off to the side and watch them pull when I could go take my place on the rope too and pull together with them. And so just the shift of, and I kind of, I love that me to we, because I can become very aware of when it's all about me and <laughs> it's all about how I feel. And it's all about how, you know, I felt when this happened or when this didn't happen or when she said this, or when she didn't say that. And I love that I can lay that down and that it doesn't have to be about that. It can, I, because when I lay that down, it's no longer about me. It's about we, and ultimately it's about he. It's about he who is our head, Jesus. And so I think that's the shift where we begin. That was so good because I think that there are, because I mean, I've said that in so many different ways, not just as the body of Christ, you know, of course, but even when, especially for these, for the women that are listening in business, it is so easy to be like, this is hard. I don't want to, I feel awkward. Um, So I love that about you know, cause that's the, another spiritual attack side is just thinking like, well, I mean, we're so without realizing we wouldn't call, we don't want to call it pride, but it's pride. It's just thinking about how, like what we like, what we don't like, how we feel and it can affect how we show up. And so I just love that analogy of like, nope, my team's pulling and I'm going to do that. And I'm just going to keep showing up because it's like you said, it's not about us. So I love that. Well, can you share where people can find you, where they can get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, get your book. Yes. So for my audio um, learners, it's shebelongsbiblestudy.com. You can go there and you can get the book at shebelongsbiblestudy.com. But I'm also on Instagram at Katie McCowan and I have a website, katiemccowan.com. Of course, I think you mentioned the best day ever podcast. You can find me there too. Yeah. I'll put those links in the description. Thank you so much, Katie. This was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mama with a Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawithacalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, are you loving these episodes? To make sure this podcast gets in the ears of as many mamas as possible, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I'm going to be reading your reviews on the podcast, so I can't wait to hear from you. Also, if you know someone that needs to hear these episodes, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And don't forget to tag me at Mama with a Calling so I can share it in my stories. Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.